With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the last May edition of the PFF forecast. This is May 29th. It is George and Eric. We are doing coaching tiers, head coaching tiers. Uh, this one was a challenge. I will just say that. We're also going to talk about um, some of the other bets that we're making I will tell Eric about why he needs to wake up earlier on Sunday so that he can profit off of Formula One, and we'll get an update on the USFL, plus some recommendations on the back end. Let's rock. Welcome to everybody that is uh, watching live on YouTube on this beautiful Memorial Day weekend. It is beautiful outside in lovely Cincinnati. It's like 82. It's not too humid. No thunderstorms in the area. Um, I take it that means you went to the Reds game today? Uh, I did go to the Reds game Wednesday. Oh, wow. Uh, During the thunderstorm. After our show, um, it it actually didn't storm there. It was kind of crazy. Our friend, colleague, Dave Silfaro, got tickets they were actually pretty good tickets no there isn't a soul that goes to these games there's like there was probably like 400 people were there there. more people at that game or the wnba game that you went to Ooh, friday friday was so i got a i got an interesting story for you so um you know my only wnba games i've ever been to were when i would go my hometown the Lynx play in the target center which is where the uh timberwolves play um and so i was like i bought tickets to the indiana fever los angeles sparks game uh, fever plus six. I obviously took uh, fever. Um, they were the right side. Um, and but where I, do they play? Oh. So that's the thing. So uh, they play in Indianapolis, but it's not like necessarily the Indianapolis you'd think, right? Because there's like a downtown yeah. and all this kind of stuff. It, they basically play on the fairgrounds uh, for the Indiana State Fair. Really? So like there is an arena within the fairgrounds. Does the fair go on year round? I don't know. It doesn't. So so, so it was interesting. So we're my daughter and I. We we get there and like you can't turn in the. So you got to turn in the first one. Then you got to give a nice lady ten dollars cash, and Smart. to to park. And then you have to go about a half a mile around. Mm-hmm. And since it's fairgrounds, like the the parking lot was not actually like paved. Like the parking lot was basically just dirt. And so we're like slodging through mm-hmm. this thing to get in. I buy my daughter a jersey or jersey uh, as we walk in and the convention center like it had the bells and whistles like i think they obviously they have to have the bells and whistles so like 
you know, they have to have the, you know, the screen, you know, Jumbotron, all that kind of stuff. But it was like a, it was the size of the, of the arena that like we went to when we lived in La Crosse, Wisconsin, which is like a small town of like a, you know, hundred thousand or so people or less. And, and so it was kind of like chintzy, but it was a lot of fun because how did the bets go? I, I made like 20 live bets. And I did not lose one oh like I, to the point where like, I am just live betting team total overs and I like. And then finally at the end, oh I'm like, I had, you know, the, the fever money line first quarter, the fever plus something first mm-hmm. quarter plus six full game. And then like we get to halftime and I'm like, oh, the fever, their fever are leading by a ton. And I'm like, okay, fever minus two and a half. Like, do we really? And the Liz Cambage was there. She's every bit six foot eight. Um, and I'm like, okay, I lay with the, I lay the fever minus two and a half. And then we get to like, it's start, like, it's starting to melt down. And Andy Reid saw the 18 point lead. Could not resist. So the thing gets all the way down. I bet some sparks plus six live, and then it lands five. So I'm just like, wow. I'm having a good one. Um, so the you guys, the the trip was paid for. Trip Let's was paid for way. by the bets. Yeah, and and okay, but and I'll I give Indiana a lot of shit because, I mean, just look at it. But like the the fact is, is like you can live bet legally. You can bet legally on sports that are being played in the arena you're in. Which is a total upgrade over. I don't know about the other states, but like for example, if you're in New Jersey, when we were at Army Navy, you can't bet on a game. You was, can't live bet legally in New Jersey on any was of that the, intentional or because the the Wi-Fi sucked. No, no, you can you can't bet like but legally you cannot. And you if you are in New York State, you cannot bet on a game being played in Brooklyn. If you are in New Jersey, like East, if you are in the uh, Giant Stadium yeah. or MetLife is what's called now. You can't, you can't bet on a game being played in MetLife. Oh, that's awful. And so, like, it, I was legally and, – and I'll give this. Like, you can obviously bet illegally on, like, an offshore or paper, uh, paperhead or whatever. But, like, you know, obviously, like, you have issues with security and all this kind of stuff. The DraftKings app uh, was extremely fast. And, and you know, you can front run it a little bit. That's lovely. Um you missed out on a lot of money though this weekend still. Okay. Uh, and the reason for that is that you did not wake up early enough to see the Monaco Grand Prix. Now it was delayed. It was supposed to start okay. at it was a nine nine a.m. kick, um, but it was delayed like an hour and forty minutes because of rain or something like that. Not something like that. Something like an hour and forty minutes because of rain. Um, but um, I am I you know I had a really bad beat the week before. Right. I had mm-hmm. Leclerc. Uh, Leclerc winning. Um, he had a 20 second lead. His power unit died. So this week, Leclerc is like minus 450 to win. Okay. He's in pole position. Monaco is like a place that you cannot overtake. That's the kind of whole thing about it. And so it's like, oh, there's, you know, he's he's a prohibitive favorite. But there is weather rolling in. I I, heard, I saw that this morning. It, yeah. Was it delayed? Yeah. So it ended up getting so delayed. It was delayed as like I said. the champions. I, but, you know, with weather comes all kinds of you know, mumbo jumbo that can get thrown mm-hmm. in. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to bet some long shots. So I bet, uh, both Red Bull drivers who were in second and, uh, sorry, in, uh, third and fourth, I think pole position was, um, Sergio Perez, uh, Checo and Max Verstappen who won last year's championship. So, uh, Sergio Perez is 10 to one. Max Verstappen is, uh, like three and a half to one. And I also bet Lando Norris 30 to one to win. And then, to podium, I bet um, Sergio Perez, the uh, the Red Bull driver, he was plus 140, and Lando 
um, also to, to podium. So the race goes off. It's, you know, the track is flooded. So there's all this tire um, kind of strategy that they have to employ. And basically Ferrari just shits themselves. And so Red Bull takes advantage and uh, Sergio Perez is in the lead. They have a red flag because someone crashes. They bring the cars back out. There's only like 45 minutes left in the race. It's timed because they have to finish it by a certain time. And it comes down to the wire. The guy's tires are just dead, but he ends up holding them off because you can't, it's hard to overtake in Monaco. 10 to 1 uh, plus the podium, which was plus 140 uh, hit. Oh, wow. That's a that's a pretty good hit, man. That's like, so, okay, so. I'm, I'm on an absolute roll. Yeah, you are in, an absolute in Formula roll. One. I cannot be stopped. Um, so I'm sure that will come to an end next weekend. But hopefully you got involved with Sergio Perez uh, and hit a nice little 10 to 1 plus a little podium. I got to say that right now I am on the opposite of one. Well, I did win. So Kyle Sloter came through last night with an over and a, and a money line win for me. Uh, for the New Orleans Breakers, but right now the six and zero Birmingham I uh, Birmingham Stallions are thirteen to thirteen with Kirby Wilson's wow. Pittsburgh Maulers. The only what touchdown so far for Birmingham has been on a fifty-two yard fake field goal run. So their offense has been an absolute atrocity. They just kicked the field goal to go up sixteen thirteen. They were twelve and a half point favorites in this game. I, I did lay it, and and I also laid like money line, which. There were so like FanDuel had the money line at like minus eight hundred, mm-hmm. and like one of the offshores I had at like minus five hundred. So like obviously there's like value there in in sort of a, a no hold market, uh, or created a no hold market. But this has been a grind. Jamar Smith's been like one of the better players in the league, but the last few weeks he's been kind of shitty, and it, it just goes to show like how fickle quarterback consistency is when the quarterbacks all frankly suck. I'm shocked. I really, I'm stunned. You know, yeah. I, I'm surprised by that. Are you going to bet Celtics Heat tonight, Game Seven? Boston. Is I, I have a favorite. Celtics to win the 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 uh, series bet. Okay. Uh, that is that's I'm riding with. I I was disappointed the other night. Obviously, I mean, like, what were the Celtics going into the other night? Like minus four hundred to win mm. the the uh, the the um, series, and now they're basically what minus. 150, 140? Yeah, I mean, they're minus three tonight. Interestingly, Scott Foster, Zach, shout out Zach Tantillo, who pointed out that Zach, uh, Scott Foster is um, refing tonight's game. The Heat are one and eight in games that he has refed. This really? is interesting. This is interesting because I just was listening earlier today to one of the Michael Lewis uh, uh, podcasts that you recommended uh, about referees Yeah, and how refereeing is uh, not quite as a impartial, um, you know, uh, viewer of how things are going as you might expect. I am tempted though, despite that, to take the heat um, at home in game seven. I don't yeah, know Yeah, that number's moved a little bit, right? It was two and a half on open, now it's three. Um, I mean, look, the Cel- the hard part with the Celtics, not to talk basketball because I I mean, my, my information here is not actionable at all, but like the Celtics sometimes just struggle to get a basket when they need one, right? They haven't had a lot of, I mean, Jay... <sighs> Jalen Brown is awesome. Um, so is Jason Tatum. I don't know. It's interesting. I do just have a little bit less faith, I guess, in their supporting cast. I just the Heat supporting cast at home feels like the one that you want to back. And Jimmy Butler is a you know, I don't know Jimmy Butler. I feel like does not get the credit he deserves. Um, oh, he was. I mean, he was amazing. Insane. The Timberwolves didn't need him, by the way. No, they didn't. Did not need him. No, neither did the Sixers. Okay, <laughs> we're going to tier um, the coaches. Before we do, 
a reminder that fantasy football season is fast approaching. And the best way to get involved in the action is at Underdog Fantasy, specifically through the Best Ball Mania Tournament, which has $10 million in total prize money. In case you're new to best ball, it is the easiest thing on the planet. You draft once. You don't have to ever pick up a player, trade a player, um, decide who to start and who to sit because every week your best scoring players count for your team. And at the end of the year, the most points wins. The champion of Best Ball Mania last year, drafted in June, ain't no reason to wait. And here's the thing. If you use promo code PFF and deposit up to $100 on your first deposit, you will get that doubled by Underdog. And if you use promo code PFF and use 10 of those dollars to play, then you will get a free PFF subscription. I still don't understand how this is being used. I need to go talk to, or how it's being done. I need to go talk to Connor Price and figure out what kind of magic this is. But go download the app. It's a great app on the App Store or go to underdogfantasy.com, promo code PFF. A couple things for, for as we transition here. Yep. Firstly, I will not tolerate WNBA slander in the chat. Oh, no. So oh, kind, no. What kind, has happened? kindly go fuck yourself. Um, anyway, uh, okay. I, the reason that I um, I uh, wanted to do this was there was a, a, a an interview of Arthur Smith, a guy that we we've liked his play calling in the past. Um, as a head coach, he does appear to be out of his depth. Let, let's listen to some um, questions pertaining to uh, tanking and, and some answers uh, by Arthur Smith. There's a lot of people who are investing and love the strategies of team building, he said. Mm -hmm. They're engaged, and they play pretend GM online. They pretend they know the salary cap, and they pretend they know what the locker room is like, and they pretend to know what it's like to put the game plan together, and they pretend to know about life in the NFL, but they have no idea. I, if I'm Arthur Smith, you know this is a league that, look, you know, calling it a meritocracy might not necessarily be the the smart, but he's you know built his own way up. I know he comes from money, but he done he's done his own thing. L let's look for a second at the Atlanta Falcons, who I know are not necessarily here because of Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith, but they've made some decisions here that have caused this. The current dead money on the on the Falcon salary cap right now is Matt Ryan at forty and a half million dollars. Julio Jones at fifteen and a half million dollars, Dante Fowler at six, four and two thirds million dollars, Tyler Davidson at one point two million, Mike Davis a running back they signed last year and then cut this year. Mm -hmm. By that's an entire Terry Fontenot thing, yep. three quarters of a million dollars. Blah blah blah. Now, our friend Thomas Dimitrov put them in some of this position a little bit, I think. But there was a time, and and a lot of people got upset at, at me for saying this. The choice last year for the the Falcons was pretty clear. You could cut Deion Jones, a linebacker, who, by the way, he was coming off his best season at two, two tenths of a win above replacement. He was below replacement last year, so whatever. You could have cut him and not had to not had to sign, you know, uh, restructure Matt Ryan's deal so that the money is so egregious this year, and they didn't. And so then they 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 push Matt Ryan's money into the future. They forego the opportunity to draft any one of Justin Fields uh, or Mac Jones last year. And now they're stuck in a situation where they're even worse off than when they started. So they don't really get an excuse, in my opinion, of sort of like, oh, the old regime gave us a bunch of crap. 
And I and to me, I just I, I don't like this whole, you know, especially in a league where we're trying to actually like grow the league mm-hmm. and bring more people who have not historically been part of the league into the league. I hate this gatekeeping bullshit, especially from a team that sucks. Mm-hmm. And like, make no mistake, this team sucks. If this was the Baltimore Ravens saying this, or the Kansas City Chiefs saying this, or the yep. or Bill Belichick saying this, okay, be my guest. You've you've earned it. Yep. The Falcons are worse than when when they started, and 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 they've made decisions that have made this team fundamentally worse. And I, I just don't understand where they get off doing this and saying this. And then furthermore, also referring to tanking. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard that a team would try not to win football games. If you don't, there's going to be consequences. Okay, you're at the top of the draft. I got it. But you're a very transactional phase of the NFL right now. Trades in the draft, trades for quarterbacks. It's a different landscape than when Jimmy Johnson took over the Dallas Cowboys in 1989. Correct. Um, when they were 1-15, uh, it was a long rebuild. The 1989 Dallas Cowboys were in the playoffs, in the divisional round of the playoffs, two years later. So they went from 1-15 and 15 to in the playoffs and winning a playoff game. Not to mention two fucking Super Bowls three years later. Mm-hmm. That's not the same NFL as today. Back then, people would, would have given their firstborn before they gave up their picks. People are going off old narratives, and it's comical. Any good team knows how to, uh, knows how to rebuild every year. The Falcons traded Brett Favre, who up until that point was a second-round pick who drank himself out of Atlanta for a first-round pick to Green Bay one year after he was drafted. Mm-hmm. The Saints traded a first, second, and third-round pick for something called Steve Walsh in 1990. <laughs> the Cowboys traded Herschel Walker for three first-round picks. Mm-hmm. The, the Kansas City Chiefs traded a first-round pick for 38-year-old Joe Montana. When he would after after two years of inactivity because of an elbow injury, Arthur like Arthur Smith pretending like no one outside of the of the walls of football understands football, and then managing to managing to get the history of the game wrong. To me, like I'm I'm not I'm not ranking him high here. I'll just say that I'm not either. Thank you for that. That was uh, I, I the point that I that resonates with me is like look, don't. Don't talk if you haven't earned it yet. And it just, it comes off. Here's the thing. It really comes off as being like kind of frazzled, you know, that yeah. that's the, that's the bigger part of this. So this actually went into how I, um, how I, I called or how I define each tier. How many tiers do you have total? I have seven tiers. Okay. Interesting. How I many ha- do you have? I have six. I had six when I did the, the show with Petro and Shadia, okay. but I actually split my I split one tier into two because I I want to make a distinction about what I believe about Arthur Smith okay that's exciting I'm excited about that I also had seven condensed to six where my I'll just say this my biggest struggle I did not anticipate this being that big of a struggle I really struggled with tier one and tier two Mm -hmm. really struggled with them and if you watched our last podcast where we tiered the quarterbacks, I, again, also really struggled with them. I ended up putting um, Aaron Rodgers in tier two, and I'm sure people are having an aneurysm still about that. You can go listen to the podcast and hear the reason why. But like, I had to put some of my favorite coaches in the NFL in tier two. That was a huge struggle for me. Um, 
were there any did you struggle with tier one and tier two i did I, so I'll, I'll just start with it okay so my one, my tier one baby tier one so i have two tiers that i call first tier but oh. i made the separation based upon one distinction and i call one hall of fame guys and I, you know, the supporting evidence here is even though some of them are over the hill, our our colleague. Or, Wait, so are you not doing this with just going into this season? Well, be uh, I, that's a good point. Uh, our our um, former intern Tay Seth uh, did the whole wins above replacement for coaches, and even though the John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, and Bill Belichick maybe took a step back last year in the eyes of many, they were still pretty high in the metric, right? So mm -hmm. they get better, they get more wins above what you would expect a coach with his talent to get. So those guys are in my Hall of Fame tier. Okay. I also have Mike Tomlin in the Hall of Fame tier. And I honestly think the seven, nine, and one accomplishment he had last year is one of his most impressive feats of all time. And I am going to put him here, and I and I, I think back to the Dallas Cowboys and, and how little it took for this man to get in the Hall of Fame. Not little, because he won two Super Bowls. Jimmy Johnson made the Hall of Fame with two Super Bowl rings. Mm -hmm. McVay's made one, took over a terrible franchise, has won one. I put Sean McVay in the Hall. I think Sean McVay is a Hall of Fame coach at this point in his career. So, so to recap, you have Tier 1 Hall of Fame guys, and that is Andy Reid, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Sean McVay. And John Harbaugh. And John Harbaugh. Those okay. guys are all in the Hall of Fame. Okay. And then I have a first tier that's not Hall of Fame yet. Okay. I put yet. Mike Shanahan, Sean McDermott, and Mike uh, – uh, not Mike LaFleur. Uh, Matt LaFleur. So that's my top seven. Kyle Shanahan. Okay. Top eight. Sorry. Okay. Very interesting. Uh, you approach this differently than me. I thought simply about if I were going into this season, here are the guys that, in my opinion, are tier one and then tier two. So here's how I tiered it out. For tier one, these are guys that get it all. Like they get all of the parts of the game. Mm -hmm. And that for me included. <laughs> it's like one guy, isn't it? <laughs> It was off. They have to understand like offense in today's NFL. Yeah. They have to have shown an ability to manage, you know, teams and coaching staffs really well. Um, and this is the one that made it really hard. I had to put fourth down um, decision making here. <laughs> like I had to. And this, yeah. this killed me because I love Kyle Shanahan. I love Sean McVay. Both of them are awesome. I also love Bill Belichick. Yeah, but he doesn't get it anymore, but he, or he never did. But he doesn't go for it on fourth down enough. And to me, that's just such a baseline thing that you have to get in, you know, I, I, that I had to – but I'll be clear. I think that there is a tier, which includes tier one and two, mm -hmm. where, like, if I have one of these guys, in my opinion, all of these guys could be Hall of Famers is what I'll say about mm -hmm. this. Okay, so tier one for me <laughs> – Tier one for me is uh, Lafleur, Harbaugh, and this one may surprise some people. Frank Reich. I don't, and, hate, I don't hate Frank Reich. Uh, no, you shouldn't hate Frank Reich. And I put Andy Reid in tier one, but I struggled with this one because, from a fourth down perspective, not necessarily always there. Um, but I put him in here because of the preponderance of wizardry that he's had. Um, but th that was a challenge for me. In tier two, I have 
two of my favorite coaches in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And honestly, like the only reason they're in this second tier is because of the fourth down stuff. If you look at EPA per play on fourth downs, the Niners and the Rams are 28th and 29th in the NFL. Like they just don't get it there. The teams that are number one, the Baltimore Ravens, the Kansas City Chiefs, Los Angeles Chargers, New England Patriots, interesting last, interestingly last year. Um, I have Bill Belichick in here. I have Sean McDermott and I have Mike Tomlin. I like that. Um, Lafleur to me is like in second tier, which is inter- interesting because obviously the playoffs he has not won the same way that you know his contemporaries and Shanahan. I mean Shanahan's beat Lafleur already yeah. twice in the playoffs, but then Lafleur is better than him as far as like fourth down decisions. I think he's better than him as far as consistency and and all that stuff. So it's weird that they're in the this tier in a different way. Um, okay. This is going to cause, I think, some consternation. It did when I when I brought it up with Petro. These are these are guys I call plus guys. These are guys. This is who, tier three. The, this is tier three. These are guys who who help their teams win. Okay, they went they win. In fact, in, in in many ways because of this of this guy. And I agree. Frank Reich, Kevin Stefanski, Mike Vrabel, and then I think there's a little gap, but I'm going to keep them in the same tier. Okay. So Reich, Stefanski, Grable have shown it at the NFL level mm-hmm. cons- at a relatively consistent pace and are, are just clearly plus guys for a lot of different reasons. And then the next three are guys who I'm taking a leap of faith with here. Oh. And that's Brandon Staley, Nick Sirianni, and Dan Campbell. Okay. The by Dan the, Campbell thing doesn't, by the way, doesn't offend you as much as... No. Why do you hate Frank Reich? I don't hate Frank Reich. I just think... Frank Reich is out here playing with but like mm-hmm. the quarterback position has been a patchwork quilt now, for now, Frank Wright. Here's my question, and and this is also why I've 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 been a lower on Shanahan than most at times. Who picked his last quarterback? Yeah, I get. You it. know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he he's like I can you know. Yeah. I last guess. year they had a that last year they did they have a first round pick last year? I'm trying to remember. They traded the one in twenty for Buckner. I'm trying to remember, but like they they they've opted they, out of the they quarter. Took Michael Pittman, I believe, in round two and twenty, and then and exactly. and Taylor in round two and twenty, and then last year, I gotta I gotta look back. But in any event, like the the Carson Wentz thing is the only blemish on Frank Reich's record, in my mm-hmm. opinion, which is a big one because there's a little bit of overconfidence there that like, yeah, um. That's fair. He gets it on from a fourth down perspective. I oh, believe sure. he gets it from a management perspective of people, and he gets it. Quiddy Pay was the uh, first right. round pick for That's the right. the Colts last year. Okay, my tier three, I have uh, termed guys who I have some sample size on, and because of that, I believe they could be tier one. And what I mean by tier one is like tier one and two, right? Mm-hmm. These co- the coaches that I have in tier one and two, I think are Hall of Fame coaches and are or could be Hall of Fame coaches and are awesome. That is Kevin Svansky, Mike Vrabel, Brandon Staley, and this guy's not a head coach, but he should be, Brian Flores. I think what Brian Flores did in Miami, yeah. in, despite what is was clearly yeah. a not-so-wonderful setup for him um, with quarterbacks that were not so wonderful either, is pretty damn impressive. And if nothing else, I believe that he certainly deserves a head coaching so uh, gig. So what this tells you is that I have a lot of faith in the Steelers' uh, head coaches um, or coaching staff, I guess. Um, the one that so where do we disagree here? Um, we both have Brandon Staley in here. 
Um, you have Sirianni in here. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I, I actually debated Sirianni here. I, I have him in my next tier. What was your tier four? And what do you think about tier four? What does that mean to you? I, I call tier four retreads who have a chance. Okay. And I've ranked them in order by which I believe this. Okay. Todd Bowles. I hate, I can't believe I'm doing this. Ron Rivera, mm-hmm. Mike McCarthy, Doug Peterson, Josh McDaniels, and Lovey Smith. Okay. I don't know how to evaluate Lovey Smith this year because, like, do they have a chance? Yeah. I, well, you'll see how I evaluated him. I struggled with tier four because to me, I couldn't make a clear qualitative, like, hey, this guy's a, you know, retread that has a chance or a young guy that has a chance or whatever. So I just termed it tier four. I'm optimistic about what this person could bring. And this is a smattering of rookie head coaches, second year head coaches, and retread head coaches, but ones that by and large, I think you can be optimistic about if you put on the right colored glasses. Nathaniel Hackett, Doug Peterson, Josh McDaniels, Kevin O'Connell, uh, uh, Mike McDaniels, uh, Miami, Dan Campbell, Todd Bowles, Nick Sirianni, a big list. Brian Dable, and Robert Salah. And, and I think this, to me, this is the turning points. Like these are guys that you either, after this year, like you're probably going to say, oh, they're either moving, you know, they're moving up or they're moving down. I, I don't think you're keeping a guy in this tier. This is kind of the inflection point for me. Um, I didn't have Riverboat Ron in here. I didn't have Mike McCarthy in here. Um, and there's reasons why. Okay. My next one is called lean yes, but unknown. So I'm leaning <laughs> yes, but I like I'm optimistic about these guys. Yeah. Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus had like the coolest like collection of linebackers who didn't bite on play action. I think his defensive scheme is great. Yep. Um Bears are a mess right now, but they'll give him a chance. Nathaniel Hackett. Um, his work with with Rodgers is obviously of the the highest acclaim uh, so far. Um, Brian Dable, obviously, what he did with Josh Allen, uh, I'm a big fan of. And uh, as a, a hat tip to what he did in San Fran, less so what he did last year for the Jets. Robert Salah, I still have faith in Robert Salah. Jets fans, by the way, did you notice I put Robert Salah in the optimistic tier? Thank you. Um, my tier five is where I take the turn to negative town. I have defined this tier as the meh tier. Okay. And in this, I have Riverboat Ron. Like, I like Riverboat Ron. Do you feel like you can win a Super Bowl with him? Ah, at this point, I'm a little, I'm questioning it. Matt Eberflus. I think there's, I think there are a fair number of reasons why you could be optimistic about him. And I actually had him in the optimistic tier. I moved him down. And one of the reasons I moved him down is super weird and wonky. And you can come at me for this. It was like, I don't know. I watched the intro press conference. It was a little strange to me how he and, and, um, uh, remind me of the uh, GM polls. I was saying pace there for a second, but polls approached it. I, I think there's a question mark there because he's a defensive coach mm-hmm. and like how, it's how it's going to be there. I, but I do think you could make a case optimistically. Um, Dennis Allen. I, look again, you could be optimistic about this. I'm kind of meh on it, you know? And I think yeah. there's reason to be Zach Taylor. You could be optimistic here. And this is probably the one people are going to be really mad at me about go wa- watch the Bengals. Like, there are a lot of things that, you know, Joe Burrow did that were amazing. Jamar Chase did that were amazing. 
There are a lot of things offensively that they do from a running on second down perspective, from a, you know, how they scheme the offense to protect Joe Burrow perspective. And maybe that was partially Joe Burrow. But I think you're a little meh on Zach Taylor. And if before you come at me and you get mad at me, go bet the Bengals over if you like yeah, him yeah, so yeah, much. Okay. Nice. Go do that. And let's see where he is at the end We're of this year. And then Mike McCarthy. Um, I also put in the meh tier. By the way, this like Zach Taylor doesn't have his own tier. So, or sorry, Zach Taylor doesn't fall into any of these tiers for me because he's not unknown. He's not a retread. He's not a plus guy. He's not a first tier Hall of Fame. He's just kind of his own tier. So I, yeah. I, I lied. I have eight. Okay. So I, like I Zach struggle. Taylor has his own. I struggle with Zach Taylor. Here, here's my lean no. Okay. But un, unknown. Arthur Smith. Okay. For for. Basically, everything that came out of his mouth last week, including the stuff about the uh, Uvalde shooting. And that's your tier seven. That's my tier seven, yes. Um, Mike McDaniel. There's not... The hatred. The the, the shanty hatred comes out here. I'm much more attuned. I'm much... Look, I think Shanahan is a lone... I, I think Shanahan is a lone wolf as far as the brilliance is concerned. I, I think there's a good point to be made. And also ch- him trying to make Mike Gusecki into George Kittle is a classic mis- misunderstanding of who your players are. Um, let's, let's watch how it plays out. Maybe I'm, just, no, look, I, maybe I said lean, no. I said unknown, but yeah. lean, no. Okay. So I, if I had to bet, I'm on unders for the Dolphins this year. I'm just on unders for the Dolphins this year. Okay, this is less about being on McVay's tree and more about what the hell happened when he was – when he was calling plays for Washington, oh. and that's Kevin O'Connell. That was a bad offense. Now, you can come back from it. Mike McCarthy, when in 05 for the, the yeah. San Francisco 49ers with Alex Smith, had the worst offense in football, and he, he takes over Green Bay, and they win a Super Bowl. So you, you can certainly come back from it. I'm not like dismissing O'Connell and saying he can never work. I'm just saying I'm leading no. Um, and then Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen was a head coach before. I, I'm I'm nervous about... I'm nervous about how much Sean Payton matters that people aren't baking into the cake here. I talked about that in the last mm-hmm. podcast. I think I think Sean Payton matters a lot. I think Dennis Allen's been wonderful. I think it takes more than being a good defensive play caller to be a head coach. Uh, he That's is incredible. a retread, but you know, I, I sort of like he's been a retread so long ago, which I guess Josh McDaniels, I put him in the has a chance because he was such a good offensive play caller. Right. I think offensive play callers matter a little bit more. So those are my four in tier would now be seven. Okay, and you have a tier eight. I have a tier eight. Lovely. I end on tier six, and this is the definition of the tier. I am out. I would start looking for my next head coach. Pete Carroll, Matt Rule, Lovey Smith, Cliff Kingsbury, and Arthur Smith. I wrote out here too. I was going to call it no, but you called it out, so I'm I'm happy. (laughs) And I got a lot of shit for this from Jeff and and Seren because they – and Carroll has done good in some of the metrics as far as like the broader, you know, wins above whatever coaching metrics and stuff. But like, he stinks. Pete Carroll, like, Pete yeah. Carroll hasn't, like, hasn't elevated. Pete Carroll was tough for me, man. And it, the reason I put Carroll here was I thought, and maybe the book will still, has, still has a few chapters to be written here on the Russell Wilson thing. But to me, the inability to make things work with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Now, I am not the biggest Russell Wilson fan. I think he's 
corny. <laughs> You've proven I, yourself as such. Yeah. Yeah. I like, <laughs> I, you know, there are some things about Russell Wilson. He takes too many sacks, you know, that I'm not a fan of, but I, I'm not going to argue that Russell Wilson is not a great quarterback. And to me, that is a, a mark in the wrong direction for a guy whose biggest plus is not actually defense or offense. <laughs> His biggest plus is like the community yeah, and yeah, culture yeah. that he builds. And if you're going to have that, if you're not going to have that and your defense is going to be a sieve and your offense is going to suck, then I'm out. We've seen it. I'm we've sorry. Seen, we've seen some think pieces recently about how Carroll has evolved from the cover three and all that. And like, look, when Carroll cut his, you know, cut, you know, his career out was defensive backs coach for the Vikings when they were one of the best, best defenses in football, the defensive coordinator of the Jets when they were a very plucky uh, defensive, you know, defense first kind of team. Um, in the uh, in the early '90s, and he was the coach of the Jets, and they went. They started six and five. They won. lost five games in a row. He gets fired. Then he yeah. becomes the coach of the Patriots, and then it sort of evolved away from his true like, you know, expertise to the point now where he's like kind of a hype man for a team. He's kind of he's kind of a really poor like a, a, like basically a homeless man's Mike Tomlin. And so I'm out on that skill set if it's not uh, actually it's it's not actually producing. To be honest with you, that's fine. Um, the one that Cliff I was, Kingsbury's the one where this was a, that, that some was of the, the metrics look good for Kingsbury, yeah. but like you can't like if the book is out on you and it's predictive and it's I mean they were a, a, we I wrote this for Peter King last year. It was like they were top five in EPA first half of the year, both 2020 2021. And they 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 fade down the stretch, and so, that that and, playoff performance was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. And so much of that last year, when you watch those games, Kyler Murray had the most big time throws out of rhythm, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. But he definitely led the league in big time throws. And if you watched him, it was like, oh my god, like these are just like Kyler Murray being an alien. And then Kyler Murray gets a little banged up. DeAndre Hopkins gets hurt. Like it, the inability to for me to tease out where he actually really added value there. Mm -hmm. Not to mention. A really, I mean, look, some of those fourth down decisions for Dude, Kingsbury are like uh, Shanahan and, and McVeigh do some where you scratch your head, and then you know the next possession they make seventeen great play calls and you know drive it down mm -hmm. your throat and you forget about it. With Kingsbury, I think it's exacerbated because rarely does he come back. Kingsbury never like dials it up his brilliance in the big moments, whereas McVeigh and Shanahan are what they are. You know, fourth down wise and and personnel wise, like Shanahan's thing is, I mean, you got to stop burning third round picks on running backs who are not going to play for you. That's that's bullshit. Like you can't do that. But you know what he does? Actually, I figured out why Shanahan does this. Shanahan motivate. Shanahan knows that the running backs that are going to play well for him are fifth round or later. Yeah. But he knows to motivate them, he needs yeah. to take a running back yeah. in round he, two or three. Got... So it's uh, it's the long con. The um. So Kings for me with Kingsbury. Like and and Tej and I worked on this uh, where it was he was looking at like expected points per drive. I know uh, our, our friend uh, Josiah Clark was, was talking about this before too. Where you know sometimes there's EPA which is play for play, and I think sometimes it loses a little bit of context because you know you can make a great play that yep. is you know blah blah blah. I I think um, interestingly like Kingsbury their drive level successes are bad. And so, like to me, the EPA per play is a is more of the quarterback stat than the, you know, essentially the um, the EPA per drive. It's mm -hmm. sort of this weird thing where 
and and they're basically correlated. I don't think EPA per like expected drive points added is not adding a ton of value to the discussion relative to expected points added. Like, but it does sort of like the differences there can highlight, you know, like Minnesota's offense. They lead the league in th- three and outs, and they got a really like a quarterback who played fantastic last year. Mm-hmm. No matter how you measure it, um, with you know Kingsbury has a quarterback who played wonderfully if you look at EPA and all that kind of stuff, but the offense doesn't hum as well as it should. And that's because of sequencing and that's because of stuff that coaches can, can, can determine. So that's a big thing for me on Kingsbury. As far as um, Matt rule, I mean, we're all out on Matt rule, right? Yeah. I didn't even know if we were going to bring him up. I, I mean, this, this is uh you know, by the way, 58 yard field goal hit in this. Uh, wow. Appropriate timing there. That's a bell game. Okay. So, now that we've um, done the tiers, where, what were your biggest, you know, looking back, are the ones that are kind of the most sticky for you or you're like kind of unsure? Um, I'll tell you mine first off, and I, I addressed this at the top, but it's such a challenge for me with tier one and tier two because of the fourth down stuff. Like McVeigh and Shanahan are tier one with a bullet if you ignore the first down, uh, the fourth down stuff and i think should be like in the second half of tier 1 as i'm calling it mm-hmm. um without it um that one was probably the the stickiest one for me i think reed also is a challenge for me there um what about you yeah it, it's it's one of those where i want like the hall of fame guys am i betting on belichick this year no Am I betting on Harbaugh? Yeah. Am I betting on Tomlin? I, 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 he keeps defying it, right? Mm-hmm. Reed is another one. I made a joke at the WNBA game, like don't let him within five feet of this 18-point lead. Like that's, you know, how he goes. Uh, McVay, I, I'm probably, like all five of those guys, I don't even know if I'm betting season win total over for any of them at this point, especially because the Ravens are now pretty expensive at nine mm-hmm. and a half over being minus 150. So like they're established there, but I think they're baked into the cake. I think it's I think it's in the plus guys where you really find the value. I think Reich is underrated. I think Stefanski's underrated. I think Vrabel's underrated. I think you know Staley, Sirianni, and Campbell are all underrated. And 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 when you look at lean, no, that's kind of where I also see. Like I've I've already bet Falcons under. Like I yeah. I I just am I'm just like I don't that team last year at seven and ten was worse than the four and twelve team that that preceded them. And you know I I which guy. Which guy to you makes the biggest jump when we do this next year? I I think it's one of these lean yes but unknowns. Eberflus, Hackett, Dable, Salah. I think Eberflus is going to probably not do that because he's a defensive coach that's taking over a team that doesn't have a lot of great players, much like Robert Salah did. So maybe Salah is the guy. Um, I think Dable is going to be such an upgrade over what the Giants had a season ago that he might be in coach of the year contention if they win eight or nine games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, hack it as well because Denver, Denver got uh, Russell Wilson, but they need they they need some competence in addition to that, right? Yeah, this uh, the two for me are, are Stefanski and Staley. Um, Stefanski, it's a struggle for me because you have to assume he was okay with the Deshaun Watson thing, um, or maybe he just didn't have the, you know the the power to do anything about it. Brandon Staley, the question mark for me there is obviously the offense, but I think you know. That those are the two that, to me, talking about this next year, we go, hey, these guys have put it all together. Um, jump a couple of tiers. 
what could Carroll do to like show the show you that he's actually somebody? He's if actually Carol, in that Tomlin list. If Carroll comes out, if they and win, like, yeah, they. I don't know. They're like kind of a plucky wild card team in the NFC, and I don't know. He does. I want Carroll to do some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I want to see for once the Seattle Seahawks do some cool stuff on the field where you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that wasn't expecting that. You know, like I just that isn't you know come out and go for a fourth down. You know, every once in a while. Um, and and here's the thing. Do I think he has it in him? You could have said maybe a couple of years ago, like, does Harbaugh have it in him? You know? Yeah. Some and, people in the chat did not hear me say McDermott. McDermott's in the tier with Shanahan on the floor. Like, he's in that. Yes. Like, McDermott's one of the best coaches in football. I actually he, almost put McDermott in tier one. And the reason I didn't, um, I should have addressed this, actually. The reason I didn't is because I want to see – I want to see how he adjusts that offense now that there's no Dable. I think I, I think there's no – if I'm looking at guys that are Tier 2 guys that I could see in Tier 1, obviously McDermott is at the top of that list because I'm not sure Shanahan and McVay are going to change their fourth down ways. Yeah, yeah. McDermott has – you know, they drafted a running back high this year, which is certainly – but then they didn't take one in the first round like a lot of people indicated they would. You know, the defense has been great. Leslie Frazier's good. I think one of the hallmarks of a head coach and one that Sean McDermott has is being able to surround yourself with guys who can who make you better. And and uh, I I think that McDermott does that with with Leslie Frazier. He had it with Dable. We'll see uh, you know, now that, that Dable's gone. But like I think that that's one of the things that McDermott does wonderfully, which is surround you know, he builds a good coaching staff. And and that team, I mean, they you know, well, prior to him showing up, they hadn't made the playoffs since 1999, and and he's made the playoffs now four four years out of four years out of five. One time with Tyrod Taylor, which I, I think speaks to a great deal of of strength on his end. I agree. Okay, we're gonna do. Do you have a recommendation this week? Uh, I do. I okay. actually got this from Hold our. On, before you do. Okay. I have a recommendation for everybody. All right. All right. Twenty five percent off on a PFF subscription. Love. Give it to yourself. Give it to your friend. Give it to yourself and your friend. 25% off with promo code forecast, F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T at checkout. You can get either the Edge subscription, which unlocks all of great uh, PFF's great article content, plus fantasy football rankings and projections. Those are going to look sick this year. You're going to want them. Data, grades, and more. And if you want all of what PFF has to offer, use that 25% off on Elite subscription and get all of the betting tools, best bets, player props tool, game bets tool, all unlocked for you for the entire season. Promo code is forecast. F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T. All right. Sorry. Your recommendation. So I I was uh listening to this on a on a um recommendation from Tay Seth, our former intern. It is the Smartless podcast with mm-hmm. Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, and Jason Bateman. Uh, they do a cool thing. I, I kind of like I kind of want to steal this. Okay. So every single episode one of the three picks a guest but doesn't tell the other two who the guest is oh, and then they great. introduce they introduce him that's awesome and, and yeah it's pretty cool and then like they they obviously have like the you know so Arnett and Bateman you know were on arrested development together yep. and so they they have that connection um just Sean Hayes is like you know, doesn't like sports and all this kind of stuff mm. and 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 so they they make so they had Joe Buck on and they made fun of him for like uh, not knowing who Joe Buck was and all this kind of stuff, uh, I I thought it. I think it's like a cool podcast. I I um I listened to one with Craig Robinson, uh, you know Daryl from the Office, uh, 
Bill Maher, who I know is a, a kind of a, a, a inflamous character right now. So it's kind of cool. What? How many podcasts do you listen to? Uh, like I listen to probably um, I listen to like one religiously, uh, which is the the, the Jessalyn Rosenthal uh, okay. vanity show, and then. Um, there's a bunch like anyone that I've been on chicken dinner podcast with our friend, Sam Panianovich is pretty good. It talks about gambling. Um, and then, yeah, I, I, you know, I do a lot of like biking and I do a lot of like rowing and stuff. That's kind of where I listen to my, I didn't I know, know, it's I different didn't know than that you. you do a lot. Of I know. Look at this. Rowing. By, by the way, uh, Eric has now more hydro shirts than chiefs shirts. I know. That's how, that's how big, you know. big hydro fan. That's how, you know, um, maybe you should recommend that again. The hydro. Um, my recommendation for today. Uh, I had a few that I was kind of like debating here. I'm going to give you a super out of left field one. Okay. Okay. Because I'm usually like recommending products that are I'm getting made fun of for being overpriced and all this stuff. This is a show that I can't, I haven't watched the second season yet, but um, actually my girlfriend uh, introduced me to this show. It is on Netflix. This is a show that if you need to not use your brain and watch, you can do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's called bling empire. And it is Sounds lovely. It's amazing. Um, they, it's about this group of incredibly wealthy Asians in, uh, like the LA Southern mm -hmm. California area. And, that might not be the greatest selling of like the show. Trust me. I was like very skeptical. The characters are funny and there's, I haven't watched the second season yet. It just came out. That's how I know. Um, Cause my, I was talking to my girlfriend who's on the boat and she was like, yeah, I was trying to find some Wi-Fi so I could download it. Unfortunately, can't really find it in the middle of the Mediterranean, but um, that is my out of left field recommendation for you all. Very good. That, um, that and to follow my Twitter formula one bets. Yeah, love that here. We have Birmingham up seven okay. uh, with the ball in territory here. A touchdown puts it covers for Birmingham and, and gets the total to go over. Um, so far, overs are one and one this week. We'll see how this goes with our pal Jamar Smith handing to the former uh, running back from Birmingham for um, Alabama, uh, Bo Scarborough. Uh, and Pittsburgh has taken a timeout, so 226 left. Thank God. Uh, Thank God we got that update in for everyone that's listening. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. We'll be back with you all on Wednesday. We love you. Peace out. Mm -hmm.